0: And fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk.
1: Welcome back, folks. Welcome to another very uh, special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Uh, It's always great to uh, do these sessions where I get to bring on some of my friends and guests and experts from around the world. Uh, Each session, as you know, is unique, and I really love hearing from you and hearing your insights, your breakthroughs, and how. Uh, each guest, an expert in each episode has been transforming your life in some way. I'm very excited about today's episode. The guest I'm about to introduce to you, I had the opportunity to meet her earlier this year. This year, I'd actually heard of her for many years, read, read a couple of her books, really, really uh, inspired and deeply touched by her work. And I was at a conference uh, at the beginning of uh, this year where a group of transformational leaders were gathered and this woman was so radiant and alive and it was like, There was just light around her. Her soul was shining. And I was so drawn to her. And uh, we had a brief, very brief interaction. And then I had to leave. And then I found out she was speaking at another conference that I was speaking at in Phoenix. And I was just... She had the same radiance, the same vitality, the same, you know, just she seemed like she was just so connected to, to something beyond just herself. And it was really evident. And I just fell in love with this woman, this amazing being. I think you will too, folks. Um, she is the author of Inner Bonding, Healing Your Aloneness, books you may have heard of. If you haven't, you're in for a treat. Do I have to uh, give up being me to be loved by you? Uh, she, she's a treasure. I found out hope oh, she's okay with me saying I found out she was almost like 80 years old and I was so shocked because she was just radiates and it's just full of love and compassion and wisdom. She's a PhD in psychology, relationship expert, public speaker, workshop leader, transformational, uh, just magician, so to speak. That's my term, workshop leader. Appeared on radio and TV shows, including the Oprah show, and has been, uh, working with people for decades, individuals, couples for decades, and uh, it's a real honor to have her on the show, Margaret Paul. Margaret, welcome to Soul Talk.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Coot. I just, oh, wow, what an introduction, and of course, when I <laughs> met you, I felt the same wind. I thought, Wow, this man is like one of the most loving men I've ever met in my life.
1: Uh, well, the feeling was mutual, and I'm so glad, you know, I finally get to meet you. I've heard so much about you just over the years. And I know you've been doing this a while. And I've been touched by your book, you know, Healing Your Loneliness and Inner Bonding many years back. And so just just to put a face to, you know, the author. And sometimes, you know, when you meet people, uh, the experience of who they are don't, doesn't always match, you know, what you experience in the, in the book. And so right. I felt like the experience of who you are really exceeded for me. Uh, even in the brief interaction we had, uh, the book. And so it's a real pleasure. And so I'm very excited to to dive in today and just, just explore and see where the conversation goes. I know you've been doing teaching seminars, I heard, from like 1960s or the 70s. I mean, oh, uh, uh, quite a while. And so right. I'm always curious, partly for myself, and I think it would maybe help the audience if there's folks that haven't heard of your work, I'm always curious as to how uh, teachers and uh, people in this field began. Um, How did you you start on the path of writing and teaching, and now doing seminars around the world? What was your journey? I mean, growing up, and how did you, if you could kind of give me a a synopsis? But how did you get to the point where you knew this is what you wanted to do? And uh, usually, it's through some pain or some incident, but uh, how, how did that journey unfold for you?
2: Well, so like like so many people, I came from a dysfunctional family, and uh, my mother was quite narcissistic, and I was an only child, and she was um, yelling at me a lot, so by the time I was five years old, I, I was kind of a wreck, and of course she thought that was my fault, and so she took me to a psychiatrist at five years of age, And he interviewed me, and he interviewed her, and then he he talked to both of us. And I remember very clearly him saying to me, tell your mother not to yell at you. And I I thought to myself, I am only five years old. She is not going to listen to me. You tell her. And then my next thought was, I can do a better job than you. (laughs) And that's when I decided that I wanted to be a psychologist, that I wanted to help people. And I actually never wavered from that. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I did become a traditional psychotherapist, and I practiced traditional psychotherapy for 17 years. Plus, I had a ton of my own traditional psychotherapy. But um, I was not happy with my own psychotherapy or the work with my clients. And so then I Mm -hmm. started to pray for a process. I I grew up in an atheist family, and and I had been a spiritual kid that kind of went underground, and But it, it started to emerge uh, later on, I realized that there's no real healing without a spiritual
3: connection. Mm.
2: And so then that's when I started to pray for a process that would really work much faster and much deeper, that, that people could do on their own, mm. where they would not always have to come to a therapist. And that's when I met the yes. co-creator, Dr. Erica Chokic, and she had half the process and I had half the process, so we put it together with Spirit's help, and I've been doing that ever since with amazing results
1: Mm. Mm. so when you say you you know you met your your collaborator she had half the process you had half the process what was her half of the process what's your half of the process and then what is the process in totality
2: okay so it's a it's a six-step process and um i i had i had already understood that at any given moment, we only have two intentions to choose from. One is the intention to learn about loving ourselves and being able to share our love with others. And the other is the intention to protect against pain with various forms of controlling and addictive and avoidant behavior. And so I had already been working with that concept of intention. She had a concept. She had also come from a really difficult background. And she knew that she had this this inner child or this soul self whatever you want to call our inner self our essence that she was responsible for because there was nobody to take care of her i didn't know that i was responsible for my own feelings and my own needs i had i had been a caretaker i had been very tuned into other people's feelings and needs but completely (sighs) abandoning my own and so we we came together we put this together and with the help of higher guidance it evolved into a a really powerful six step process. So I I can briefly go through the steps if you like. Do you want me to do that? Yeah, I would
1: I I, I, I would love to hear about the six step. I have a couple more questions, but I wouldn't I actually like like to hear about the six step process first. So tell us okay. about that. Just so we have a okay.
2: go. So, yeah, so so the first step is, is that we have to be willing to get present in our body with our feelings because most of us you know, we had we had tough times, many of us, and we learned to stay in our head. We learn to abandon ourselves in a lot of ways by staying in our head rather than our body, where our feelings are. We learn to judge ourselves. Yeah. We learn to numb out with various addictions. We learn to make other people responsible for us. These are the major ways that we that we self-abandon. Um, so, in step one, um, you want to stop avoiding your feelings. You want to embrace them, welcome them, and recognize that they have vital information. All of our feelings have vital Mm -hmm. information for us about whether Mm -hmm. we're loving ourselves or abandoning ourselves, what's happening with other people or events. Our feelings are a source of inner guidance. So we have to Mm -hmm. be willing to move towards them, to embrace them, and to learn from them and to take responsibility Mm -hmm. for them. So that's step one, is learning to get present in your body.
1: So let me ask you, before we go to step two, before we get to yeah. step two, I just want to uh, uh, ask a question about step one. And so, again, those listening might feel like okay, because I definitely agree that we, we have to get present in our body with our feelings, move towards them. But let's say someone, Margaret, is maybe Let's say their feelings are so. Maybe they had so much trauma growing up, and their feelings, and so getting present to their feelings is that there's such a resistance or there's such like, you know, a fight or flight response that the survival mechanism is so strong and in, 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 in the sense of if I get present to my feelings, it's so painful that either I'm so afraid to, or maybe I just feel like I can't, even though I know I, I would like to. And so how, how does, how, how would someone even get to get present with them if, they feel like the pain is so great or too much or they're too afraid to.
2: Well, yeah, so, there. so there, there's a few things here. First of all, we, most of us have a lot of false beliefs about pain coming from what was true in childhood, which is that we had very mm. little bodies. We couldn't manage the big, the big pain of trauma, of heartbreak, of helplessness over ourselves, over others, of the, of the loneliness, of the grief. We couldn't handle it. And so it was true as a child that we could not handle big feelings. And people think it's still true, Um, and and it's Mm. not, but they do need to learn how to handle them with compassion and an intention to learn. Mm. And they they have beliefs like, oh, they're going to die, they're going to go crazy, they won't be able to function, which was all true as as children. It's actually not true now once people learn how to manage their feelings. So when there's huge trauma, Mm. I tell people, you know, first of all, uh, dip in very, very slowly. Don't do it alone. Even though in our body right. is a self-help process, don't do it alone. You you need support, you need love, you need kindness, um, you need holding from somebody else mm. uh, in order mm. to be able to move through it. And you need to develop the um, what we call the loving adult, which is who we are mm-hmm. when we're open to learning about loving ourselves and we're connected to a higher source of mm. love and and comfort and wisdom, we can't actually manage them alone, either without somebody mm. else there, but also in connection with our higher guidance. Once people learn to do that, they they realize they can handle any feelings. Because I've I've dealt with people with a tremendous amount of trauma, unbelievable. Trauma. Yes. They don't die. They don't explode. They don't go crazy when they have the help mm. that they need and they learn um, how to manage their, their feelings with inner bonding
1: mm, Got it, got it. Okay, great. So, talk to me about step two.
2: Okay, so step two is we we move into our heart, we breathe into our heart, and we make the conscious decision to open to learning about loving ourselves. It has to start with ourselves mm-hmm. before we can share love with others. And then we learn to bring in the love and the compassion of our, of our higher self, whatever that is for the person, God, spirit, angel, teacher, higher self, whatever that is, inner self, whatever works for a person. But there, there is that love and wisdom and compassion that is here for us. and We don't actually generate compassion. Uh, we open to it. it, it it's, a, it's a gift of spirit that we invite into our heart and so mm-hmm. um uh, in step two that's what we're doing we're we're starting to develop the loving adult self which is who we are when mm-hmm. we're open to learning and connected with that higher source of love and compassion you know it it's just okay. like with a child like mm-hmm. like if you have a child and the child is upset and you say to the child well what's wrong now the child is not going to be safe and not going to tell you but if you're compassionate mm-hmm. and, and loving and you say sweetie I can see you're upset, and I really want to know, and I want to know if there's something I'm doing, that child will likely feel safe to let you in. So it's really the same thing on, on the inner level. So we have to get
1: so, Yeah. So if someone, let's say, uh, d- let's say uh, they don't believe in, I, I, I guess, because let's say they're an atheist, and they're like, well, mother, higher self, God, the divine? I mean, I don't believe in that stuff. It, it, so what what would they bring in? is it still, how would they connect to that higher something to, to open to? What would they Yeah
2: open so, to? so they can they can find an inner wise self. I mean it doesn't have to be something mm. external mm. to them. In fact, what, one guy that I worked with I mean he was an atheist and in in step four we we ask our higher self some questions which we'll get into and I said, just ask the air. You don't have to believe in anything. Just ask,
3: mm. Mm. A- and
2: mm. and then answers start to come. And he started getting profound mm. answers. He, he says, "I don't know where they want to, I don't know where they're coming from, and I don't want to know, but they're really helpful." So, <laughs> think, you know, right. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't matter if they're atheists. They they can learn to tap mm. into an inner wise self. Um, mm. They don't got have it. to have any particular belief system.
1: Mm. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, got it. So that's step two. Uh, step, step three. Five.
2: So in step three, it's a dialogue process, and we're dialoguing with the feelings. and we're, we're going in and we're saying, you know, what am I telling you? How am I treating you? Uh, w- what am I doing or not doing? Am I judging you? Am I staying in my head? Am I numbing you out with various addictions? Am I, am I giving you away to other people to take care of instead of me taking care of you, making others responsible? How am I abandoning myself? We're going inside to the feeling and we're letting the feelings tell us what's happening or tell us what's happening with somebody else because if we're feeling um, you know, lonely with somebody or we're feeling um, um, heartbroken with somebody, we want to we wanna tune in to what are those feelings telling us about what's going mm. on with a person or a situation. These, our feelings are so informational for us. And when we're open, yes. and we go inside and we ask these questions. Our inner self will, will talk to us, will let us know. Like if you're feeling anxiety, for example, and, and you're asking, you know, what am I telling you that's causing this or how am I treating you? Um, our inner self might might say, well, you're judging me. You're telling me I'm not good enough. That I'll never be good enough or you're putting all this pressure on me to do everything right and, and be perfect so I can impress other people so that they'll, they'll approve of me. You don't see me. You don't value me. You don't approve of me. And so there's a lot of information we get when we're truly Mm. open to learning about how we're treating ourselves. And, Mm. and so once we find out what we're doing, we go a little bit deeper into our Mm. ego wounded self that is filled with fear and false beliefs and and we say, Well why am I like why am I judging myself? What do I hope for? And where did I learn mm. this? You know, maybe I hope that if I judge myself hard enough I'll get myself to perform and do everything yeah. right that then I can get approval, you know. And and so of oh, course these are false beliefs.
1: That's all still step three. We're still in step three of the process. Yeah. Right. D- that's the step three. Right. Party. So, okay. yeah, Beautiful. we're
2: going deep to see what we're doing and why we're doing it, what our beliefs are. Mm-hmm. And then in step four, we go back to our higher guidance or our inner wise self or just the air. <laughs> and we're asking two mm-hmm. questions. Um, what is the truth about any of these beliefs I've uncovered? Like I can control how people feel about me if I do everything right. Uh, Or judgment Mm. helps me to perform, which is a very common false belief. Um, Mm. uh, And what what would be loving to me? What loving action do I need to take on my own behalf? And this is a very important question that people rarely ask. And I encourage people to just ask Mm. this throughout the day. What is loving to me right now? What is in my highest good? right now. And and, and sometimes people say, oh, well then I'm going to be selfish. But you know, uh, actually it's the opposite because um, being selfish is never loving to us. It's not loving to us to to do things that are hurtful to others or work or where we're not concerned about the effect on others. It's actually the most unselfish thing we can do because when we're loving ourselves, we're filling ourselves up with love to share with others. And that's the most beautiful thing that we can do on the planet.
1: Margaret, is there a reason that you've seen over the years you've been working with people? Because we know we should love ourselves. I mean, you know, we hear it. The books talk about it. You talk about it. I talk about it. I mean, it's just love yourself. Love yourself. And so I think we, people know, okay, I should love myself. It's important. But it seems like there is such a, I guess, for lack of a better word, resistance that people right. sometimes, and well, we seem to sometimes have in the simple act that we know is good for us to love ourselves. Right. And so what have you found is is why do we resist loving ourselves when we know we want it, we know it's good for us, yet we resist it? Is, is there something you've seen? And how do we shift that as we're talking about, you know, step four? How do we shift that resistance to loving ourselves? Yeah, so, yeah, there,
2: there's a lot of... Uh... There's a lot of false beliefs that, that put people into resistance. Um, uh-huh. One of them is, uh-huh. one of the major <clears throat> ones is, is that um, I can't do it. You know, I I, I don't have yeah. the capacity to love myself. Somebody else has to do it. Um, sometimes it's about, well, nobody loved me as a child. Why should I have to do it? You know, it's somebody else's job. Mm. Um, one of them mm. is, well, it's never going to be <clears throat> good. You know, no matter how much I love myself, it's never going to feel as good as somebody else's love. That's a huge false belief that people have because there's a major misconception about love. And that is people think that getting love is what feels the best in life. But it's actually sharing love that feels the best in life. And we don't have love to share when we're rejecting and abandoning ourselves. We only have love to share when we're loving ourselves and filling ourselves up with love. And then we have love to share. And that truly is the most glorious experience in life. But it's completely different yeah. than getting love. But mm-hmm. people don't know that. They think, Oh no, I gotta get love to be okay. I gotta get love you know, I gotta get people's approval and attention and their love to know yes. that I'm yes. all right. Mm-hmm. So, so, so so
1: for that person for that person who's who feels that way. I, like, I guess they're feeling that way. I need to get, you know, your approval, someone else's approval, my parents, my husband, my kids, the world's approval, because I'm not necessarily at least recognizing that in myself, or I don't think it's within me. And so I think it's outside of me. And if they, if they were to feel, Margaret, I, I don't feel, I, I don't feel I I'm sure you've heard this. Like, I don't feel I have love to give myself. And, right. How would I give myself love if I don't feel it?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if we think about, um, like, let's say you have a baby, and the baby's crying in the Mm. night, and you don't feel like getting up, but you get up anyway. You Mm -hmm. do it anyway Mm -hmm. because you want to be a loving parent. So you don't have to actually Mm. feel it to do it. You do it, and then you feel it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's an important thing that that I would like everyone to hear. You feel it, and you do it, and then you feel it. You don't have to feel right. it and just wait for this moment of just yeah. heaven's opening to do it. You, you you do it, then you feel it. Okay, got it.
2: Right, and that is what happens over and over. People do it, and then they start to feel it. Um, the other thing that may motivate people is that I mean, One of the things that I had to come to grips with is that there was nobody on the planet that came onto the planet to, get, to take care of me as an adult. You know, if we don't get it as kids, uh, we're not going to get it from somebody else. Uh, that's not to say that people don't love us, but that they're not going to take responsibility for our sense of worth, our sense of well-being, our needs. And I had to, I mean, it was really hard I started to cry when I realized nobody, nobody wants to do this for me. So if I keep trying mm. to get love, uh, I'm never going to feel it inside. Either I do it or nobody does it. And and I say mm. to people, how has it worked for you all these years to try and get love? Yes. Are you happy? Are you joyful? Are you full of love? Well, of course not. Mm. And so mm. sometimes that's motivating the people to realize it's not working mm. to try and get love.
1: Mm. Yeah, the reality of that. Absolutely.
2: Right. The reality, the reality of
1: that. Reality so step 4 right, so, okay and then so, okay, let's so step, to step
2: 5 four is step five. Mm-hmm. yeah so so step 4 is you know is asking the questions and then step 5 yes. is actually taking the loving action even though you don't feel like it even though it might be scary you know if 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 you get the, for example that you've got to change your diet or you've got to stop smoking or you or you've got to speak up with somebody or you've got to look into changing jobs i mean none of these things are easy but Mm -hmm. if you don't take the action nothing changes without the action Mm -hmm. we're stuck and so Mm -hmm. that's step five is is we do the action even though it's scary even though it's hard and then in step six we go in and see how we feel as a result i just want to go back to step five i just want to go back
1: to. okay uh, i just want to really like confirm step five so people can hear it so because a lot of times, you know, people think, well, I just don't feel loving. I just don't feel like that. I just, I'm not, right. I'm feeling this. I, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like, I just do this thing, do this process. And like, it should automatically just spontaneously, magically make me feel like it. Then I'll do it. And so you're saying. Right. After <laughs> decades of experience of working with thousands and thousands of people, we must take the loving action. Even if... Right we're not crazily in love with ourselves in the moment we must still sort of connect and decide and choose and commit to taking that loving action even though i don't feel like eating right even though i don't feel like exercising even though i don't feel like doing that thing we must still take that loving action and that loving action will hopefully you know with a little time help us access and cultivate
2: the loving feeling Yes, and you know what, Coot? um, You've got great examples in in your book. You are the one. I, yes. I just love yes. some of the examples that that you had, like the guy when you told him to shave his head, and he didn't mm-hmm. want to do it, you know. And mm-hmm. then when he finally said okay, he felt so good, even though mm. he, you know, he, uh, you know, he didn't have to do it, but you know, he decided he wanted to. Or, or the guy that that brought what was it, corn or something, to all those homeless people, or what was it that yeah. he brought? Yeah. You know, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: The, the bananas, and so, the bananas. Right, right? So, I mean, he felt so happy. You know, he didn't necessarily mm-hmm. want to do this, but he did mm-hmm. it anyway. And and you have so mm-hmm. many great examples. I mean, that that's what yeah. I see you do is you take people mm-hmm. and and they, they have to take these loving actions whether they want yes. to or not and then they feel mm-hmm. so fantastic once they take Yeah,
1: them. I think it's I think it's so important that people get what you're saying in step five because I think so often we're waiting and then we don't do it and then we never feel it. And so to really bring that to ourselves with a commitment is, is huge. It's really huge. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, Got it, it step is. Step five.
2: Right step by. I mean, we got to do it. Nothing changes unless we do it. Yes. And, you know, it, yes. it's like a kid comes to you and says, I'm hungry. And you say, well, thank you for sharing, but you don't feed them. It doesn't, <laughs> it, it doesn't do thank anything. Thank you for
1: sharing. I understand. Yeah. I got it. I intellectually understand. Okay. Thank you. You know, you got okay. it. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 that's a so good example. we got to feed the kid, right? We have to feed the yeah, kid. We gotta yeah, we got to take an action,
2: even though we're, we, we might be tired or busy or whatever. We've got to take an action
1: mm -hmm. clear. So let's let's go into number six.
2: Okay, so step six is we tune back inside. Because if indeed we've Mm -hmm. taken a loving action, our inner self, we can call that our, our inner child, our soul, our essence, is going to feel a sense of relief inside that we're finally taking care of ourselves. Even if it doesn't feel good in the moment, it will feel right in the moment, because let's say you stop smoking, it's not going to feel particularly good in the moment,
3: yeah. but your inner
2: self is going to be relieved that you're taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we want to check in. And if we don't feel relief, we want to go back and ask for another loving action until we get that sense of relief, which we will always mm-hmm. get when we take a loving action on our own behalf.
1: So we're checking in seeing right. how we feel, okay. checking in, right. maybe doing another loving action. Got it. But, but just because what I'm hearing, just because maybe we don't feel fantastic doesn't mean something's wrong because I think you gave a great analogy if we're taking a loving action and that is quitting smoking, we may not feel great in the moment, but that doesn't mean uh, we should go back to smoking, as an example, to just sort of cover up the, right. the, the, the momentary feeling of discomfort. And so what does someone right, do or, with or, that, or that, any moment like that? Yeah. yeah. What does someone do with, with, with a moment like that? If they take a loving action, Margaret, and, you know, uh, giving up uh, a drug or giving up smoking or giving up, you know, a toxic relationship that felt addictive in some way. And then we check oh. in and then everything inside of me says, but I feel like shit. And, you know, sometimes the mind can play games with us and say, well, I feel terrible. So let me go, let me go back just this, this one time. And so... How does one navigate that tricky moment of checking but, you know, in and not uh, feeling great?
2: I'll give I'll give you an example. One of my one of my addictions was being a caretaker, which mm-hmm. meant that I went and took care of everybody else—my husband, my kids, my parents, my clients, everybody—completely ignoring mm-hmm. myself. And when I finally realized that that wasn't loving to me or anybody else, it was real scary to stop because I was mm-hmm. so afraid that everybody who said they loved me really didn't. <laughs> that they just loved what I gave them and not who I really am and that they weren't going to support me in loving myself. And in fact, that is what happened. I lost my 30 year marriage. My parents just owned me. It was a oh, wow. really tough time, wow. but I I was really sick at the time and I was, not, I knew I was going to die if I didn't do this. Um, and wow. I knew I had to start taking care of myself, but it was really hard. And I remember, um, uh, cause I, I'm really sensitive to people's energy. And I remember being in my home and feeling the pull, especially for my husband, to come and do what he wanted me to do, but that wasn't in my mm-hmm. highest good. And I would sit there and I would hold my knees together and, and wrap myself around and say, I can handle this, I can handle this, I can handle this and mm-hmm. I just I just didn't give into it. I just didn't give into it mm-hmm. because I knew that it wasn't loving to me to do that, even though it was really, really, really hard. So I'm not saying that it's easy to break an a yes, It is yes, not. Yes. But, God. you know, what, what it gave me is it gave me my life back. It gave me my health. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like you said, I'm, I'm 80. At that time, I was, I was in my mid-40s and I was sick and I didn't have mm-hmm. energy. And I didn't have mm. aliveness or vitality or creativity or anything. And so even mm. though I lost others, and, and I, I made I made a decision at that time that I was willing to lose other people rather than lose me, that I was willing to lose mm. whoever rather than go on losing me because I knew if I did, I was going to die. And so I, I really made a very solid decision about that. And it was the hardest thing I ever did in my whole life but it gave me freedom. It gave me emotional freedom. It healed my my illness. I mean, this is just so vitally important. I was already eating really well. I had been eating organic food for years, but Mm. still, I didn't have good health. I was getting so sick because you can't Mm. abandon yourself and be healthy Right? you just
4: can't.
1: Right, right, right. Wow. So how did you break the caretaking addiction i mean you sort of strapped yourself down you made a decision and and look you know which is hey whatever it takes you know that's that's a self-loving action in the moment and and so was was there were there any other things that you did to to unravel from that addiction of let's say in this instance caretaking and yes because i think a lot of people will 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 relate to you in 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 that right of caretaking yeah
2: Right. I, I I had to get support. I I had I had friends who were supporting me and who understood what was going on. Uh, but I also had to make. I made these two life affirming decisions. One was I was willing to end up alone. I was willing to lose everybody mm. else, but I was no longer willing to lose me. And the second one was that I was willing to be hurt. And this is a very big decision to make, because if we're not willing to be hurt, we're going to give ourselves up, we're going to try and control not being rejected, um, we're, we're going we're gonna to abandon ourselves. And so I made those yes. two decisions, I'm willing to be hurt, I will deal with it, I will handle it, but I'm just, I'm not willing to die, I'm not ready to die, and so I, I really made those two decisions. And, um, and and that's what carried me through is is being very, very solid with those because it really was a life or death mm-hmm. situation for me. And,
1: so I, um, I understand. I, I understand. But the first one I think will be clear to people I'm willing to end up alone. And these are, I think these are really important things you're talking about. Willing to end yeah. up alone. I'm not willing to compromise, to train myself, to be with another. Right. And so that's a sort of self commitment choice. And so the second one I'd like you to clarify I'm willing. To be hurt, what do you mean by that Because I, I don't want people to get the wrong idea of uh putting themselves in let's say uh non honoring situations. What do you mean out, give us an understanding on that distinction yeah it was, it was mainly
2: hurt. that it was mainly that that i'm willing to be I'm willing to be rejected I'm willing to have people oh, not okay. like me yeah God really, God okay. okay. willing so often, to have people not like me yeah yeah, so so often people hold back. they they keep their heart closed because they, they don't want to get hurt. They don't want somebody to reject them. They don't want somebody to judge them. And so they keep their heart closed. And I didn't want to at that time. I wanted my heart to be open. And the only way I knew I could keep my heart open was if I was willing for people not to like me, to reject me, to judge me, to turn their back on me, that I was willing to have that happen knowing that I could handle it. Because I had been right. practicing inner bonding for some time then, and I knew that I could turn to my higher guidance, I
3: knew that I
2: had <clears throat> a strong enough loving adult in me that i could that I could not take it personally, that I could not make somebody else responsible for my sense of worth, and that was one of the things that I learned to do through my spiritual connection was to define my own worth. And this is such an important thing for people, to you know, not make other people the authority over them and, and, and give yourself up so that you'll get their approval. So by that yes. time, I was learning to define my own goodness, to see who I am inside, and, and to not make other people an authority over me. So I, I was willing to be rejected by that time. And that was a huge freedom. Just a huge freedom for me to, to to be willing to be hurt emotionally by people who were going to be mean, who were going to judge me, and and to know that I was going to show up for my own feelings mm. by that time and take mm. responsibility for
1: them. Yeah, that's the key word. The key word I'm hearing there is, is is the responsibility for one's own. Uh, right. Inner emotional freedom, self-loving. It's beautiful. I know you you kind right. of often reference this idea of you know, the inner child and right. um, I'm curious because I think people might have questions too is when you say inner child, when you talk about inner child, well, what do you mean? Because I've heard many people sometimes say, what do you mean inner child? I don't see anyone inside. I mean, it's what is the inner child?
2: Yeah. Tell us so, about that. so it's not actually a child, but we call it an inner child because we know we're responsible for a child, but a lot of people don't mm-hmm. think they're responsible for their feelings. And so the inner child is our mm-hmm. feeling self. It's our soul. Yes. It's our essence. And that soul, that essence, often communicates with us through feelings. It's a source of inner guidance that communicates mm-hmm. instantly through feelings. And so um, some people don't. Like the term inner child, and that's fine. You can call it your soul, your essence, your your feeling self, whatever works for a person. But we do know we're responsible mm-hmm. for a child, so that that
1: can help
3: sometimes.
1: So, so it's more of a uh, just so people can understand uh, and make the bridges. It's it's more of a metaphor, yes. You would take right. more of a yeah. kind of it, right. metaphor connected. to help people connect because if we understand child, the responsibility for child, that can maybe open us up to connecting. You mentioned a couple of times, and, and, and this really, uh, I think, struck something in me. Beginning of when we started talking, you were talking about how 17 years you were a traditional therapist, psychotherapist. But you came to a point of realizing there's no real healing without the spiritual connection. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you talked about just now cultivating the, the, the sense of one's own inner worth through spiritual connection. And so right. how, uh, how can someone listening in cultivate a deeper spiritual connection to, to the spirit, to, to that dimension of themselves?
2: Well, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned it, because actually this is what I talk about in my recent book, Diet for Divine Connection. Mm. So um, I've discovered mm. two, two choices that people have to make in order to have what I call at-will divine connection, which is what I wanted. I wanted to be able to access this at any time, mm. not just to have it be there sometimes. And so yes. it's about frequency. It's about uh, our vibration. And um, spirit vibrates at a higher frequency, which is why most of us can't see it. Like if we vibrated as fast as a hummingbird's wings, we wouldn't see each other. And so um, Mm -hmm. we operate at a lower frequency, but we can raise our our energy to a higher frequency. And it takes two things. Mm -hmm. One is it takes eating clean, high-density foods, organic foods, fresh foods, non-processed foods, not eating sugar, not, not eating junk foods, um, because they lower the frequency. They make it very hard for <clears in> the body <throat> to, to, to manage what we're putting into it. And of course, most people know it, you know, it, it causes illness. So one of the things that yes. happened is that because I started eating that way so long ago, I was 22 years old when I started going all organic, all wow. fresh, no processed mm. foods at all. And, um, and so when, when I, when inner bonding came in and I realized about the intention to learn about loving myself, that raised my frequency high enough to access my divine guidance. So at that time I got all excited. I thought, oh, all people have to do is, is learn how to be open to learning about loving themselves and they'll access their higher guidance. But it didn't work that way. And I, and so it took me a while to understand that it was because they were eating badly. That for me, I could mm. do it easily at that time because I'd been eating so well for so long. And I mm. was now um, moving into the intention to learn about loving myself. So really, when, when people open to learning about self-love with their higher guidance or inner guidance or whatever it is for them, and they decide
3: yes. to start
2: taking very good care of their physical body, they will find yeah. themselves naturally accessing that information because it's there for everybody. And it's not hard to access when we're operating out of that higher frequency. Mm, got,
1: it, got it, So what is that connection? Um, I'm just curious for you what that connection feels like so people might have a, a reference, you know. What? What does it feel like for you to be connected to the divine, that spiritual source? Is there a feeling so people can calibrate? Like, oh, this is kind of what it feels like. Is there a sense?
2: Well, it feels. First of all, it feels like never being alone. It's it's amazing. I mm-hmm. mean, it feels like I'm mm-hmm. I'm always being surrounded by by love and wisdom, by intelligence, by compassion. Um, it, it's it's a it, it's such a different way. Of living to to experience that energy coming in and and when you're open when you're eating well and you're open to learning, that guidance um, uh, I find that guidance there constantly popping things into my mind that that my my ego would never be able to access this information. you know the ego is that programmed part of us in our lower brain it doesn't it 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 has no access to truth. But spirit does, and it pops things into my mind. People do have this experience, but they don't realize that it's their higher guidance popping, you know, creative ideas or or things to do. They just don't realize that that's it. And, and I had that too at times. I just didn't have it at will. But now I have it at will. I go all the time. I'm am as, mm-hmm. asking all day long, you know, what's in my highest good now, and things pop into my mind and. Um, it, you know, it's it's not it's not some weird experience. It's not like some booming voice coming in. It's, it's subtle, mm-hmm. but but you know, as you stay tuned into it, you realize, wow, I am always being guided. I mean, my guidance will tell me, oh, you forgot your keys, or even mundane things um, that I'm reminded of, and of course, big things as well. My guidance has saved my life numbers of times, um, mm-hmm. but it's it's a, it's a natural experience. People are born mm-hmm. with it. They they learn to shut it down. Um, yes. But a, as they open and you know, as they feed themselves well, you know, unfortunately, because I know you know this, that our, our food supply is dumbing mm-hmm. people down. It, it's lowering yes. their frequency so badly. And so when they mm-hmm. decide to eat really well, uh, they're going to start to mm-hmm. feel so differently. Their, their frequency is going to mm-hmm. go up. They're going to get healthier. And when they open to learning about loving themselves, they're going to, they're going to be able to access that, and you know it's kind of hard to describe the feeling. It's like you know trying to to describe red to a blind person, but they'll know it. Mm. You 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 know mm. it. Start to experience that. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you're saying it because I think the two really do need to go together. The the, the eating healthy, which uh, and the loving oneself. Uh, I think right. that they're, they're a compliment that you're, ta- as you're talking about because I know there's folks that. I'm aware of that they're loving themselves, but they're not like eating healthily or they, or there's many folks that eat crazily healthily, but they don't have that sort of inner loving component. That's right. I think when, so, so, so as you're talking about the, the two uh, aspects of the, the same coin going together is, is, is super, is super right on. What I found is also, you know, when I eat well, when we eat well, uh, I think my body is also more, um, sensitive, more alive, more open, right. more uh, right. vibration, like it's much more able to, it's less dense, much more able to be sensitive and aware of information because it's not sort of numbed by all sorts of chemicals and and right. it's much more receptive uh, in a sense. So folks, as you're listening, interviewing the amazing Margaret Paul, author of Inner a Bonding, Healing uh, Your Loneness, Talking about loving oneself and eating healthily, organically to raise one vibration, going together in a sync. Uh, beautiful. Right, and, and that's loving so
2: oneself. That, yes. that's part of that's loving also, yourself. It's, it's taking me. care of yourself physically, physically, emotionally, mm-hmm. spiritually, financially, in relationships. I mean, there's a lot of levels to loving yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, I wasn't going to ask this question, but I'm curious. And eight at eight years old, you've been married, you've had kids. Um, you know, you've been doing this work for decades. For those listening in, like, what's the most, especially from this sort of inner bonding lens, what's the most like? If there were one, and maybe you've said it already, because you talked about really not making anyone responsible for your, you know, sense of self and loving. But is is there like the most important? Mm, learning or advice because there's so much pain when it comes to relationships you know because I think that's often where our unmet needs and conditioning plays out and so what would is there the most important um, piece of wisdom that you could give those listening in when it comes to relationships like wow folks you need to know like this this one thing um relate specifically relationship that perhaps yes. you found maybe the hard way right
2: so there there's one actually one major cause of relationship problems, and that is self abandonment because when we're abandoning ourselves we we leave ourselves feeling anxious, depressed, empty, alone, angry, jealous, all of these very, very painful feelings, and then what happens is that we try and control our partner into making us feel safe and secure and worthy. And the minute we try and control, nobody likes to be controlled. We control with with anger, with the, with blame, with compliance, with resistance, with withdrawal. All these ways that we try and and control and then not be controlled. And this creates power struggles in the relationships. And people end up feeling like you know they're with the they're with the wrong person. Instead of realizing mm. that they're probably with the right person, or they may, they may or may not be, but they're not going to know until they're no longer abandoning themselves. So I work with a lot of couples I, I have all these years. And when each person, or even one person um, in the partnership, learns to love themselves, they completely yes. change the system. Because so mm. many systems are based on one being a taker and the other being a caretaker. And these are two sides of of the wounded ego self. And that system is a codependent system. It does not work. And eventually it falls apart. So when each person, or at least one person, decides to learn to love themselves, the whole system has to change. And it does. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, (laughs) it gets a lot better. Sometimes it gets worse, and then Mm -hmm. people know, okay, i got to move on. But most of the time, even if I'm just working with one person, the system does get better because when one person loves themselves, that can bring about Mm. a huge change between the two people. Mm. When they give up trying to control the other person, trying to make the other person responsible for them, um, uh, magical Mm. things can happen between people.
1: Mm. Gotcha. I love that. When one person loves themselves, they totally change the system. Right. Mm. Are, are there any, I don't know, are there any, are there any? Uh, again, from this lens, are, are there, are there, is there any advice that you could, or guidance you could give those listening in if they're thinking about relationship in terms of, I, I guess, more consciously being able to know and choose who the right partner might be for you is is there anything you can say but how 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 does one choose how do we know from this place because certainly when we're in our you know non-responsibility need driven place it's really hard to choose and so what can you share about what guidance can you give there how do we how do we choose how do we know to choose what what should one look for to know that okay this is potentially healthy relationship
2: Yeah, so one of the things that's important is to realize that we attract at our common level of self-abandonment or our common level of love. So the more we learn to love ourselves, the more we're going to attract people who are also on, on that path. But we don't have to be healed. I mean, it's not realistic to think we're healed. But there is one thing that's very, very important to look for in a relationship within yourself and with another person, and that is being open to learning about loving yourself. You don't have to be there, but uh, Mm. but being open to learning in a relationship is vital because every relationship has conflict. And if people are not Mm. open to learning about themselves and each other, they're just going to fight. They're going to argue. They're going to withdraw. They're not going to resolve conflict. But if they're open to learning, they're going to be able to use all the conflicts as learning opportunities. You know, that yes. that, that, that sign, that, that, I think it's a Chinese or Japanese sign for conflict, also means opportunity. And But we have to be open to learning about ourselves and each other. And it actually doesn't take that long in a relationship to see whether or not this person is going to be open to learning and conflict. It means that you have to be in it long enough to have a conflict and see what happens. What does this person do in conflict? Mm. Do they just get mad? Do they just withdraw? Do they ever open a day or two later, which is fine? But, or, or are they just not gonna ever deal with it. That doesn't bode well for a good
3: relationship.
2: Mm. So that's the one thing mm. we wanna look for. We wanna be open to learning, and we wanna make sure the other person is as well.
1: Mm. So in relationship, conflict isn't bad. It's It's oh. really how we use the conflict and how our partner uses the conflict that really gives us a sense of possibility in terms of the relationship or not. And 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 what I love that you said is how that we could use the intention to use all conflict as learning opportunity. That's beautiful, beautiful. Right,
2: and beautiful. And, and the. The our, our ego gets into relationships to get love, but but the the loving adult gets into relationships to learn and to grow and to share love and to have each other's back and to evolve mm-hmm. in our ability to love. And relationships offer us the most profound arena for why I think we're mm-hmm. on the planet, which is to evolve in our ability to love and to manifest mm-hmm. the gifts we've given.
1: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Beautiful. Margaret, I have just a couple more quick questions. This has been a beautiful conversation so far. Folks, if you're tuning in, uh catching this part of the interview, I'm uh, sharing and exploring with the amazing Margaret Paul. Dr. Margaret Paul, author of Inner Bonding, Healing Your alumnus. Um you, You've been doing this for, for quite a while, for decades, and I'm sure you've seen a lot. Uh, I'm curious if there on the path as a teacher, as an author, as a therapist, as a facilitator, you know, uh, and I'm sure you've seen many changes in this field as well over the years. Uh, I'm curious if, if there's a moment on your journey where you felt like giving up, and if so, what has kept you going? Still at eight years old, I saw you on stage radiant vital I mean full of life and 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 passion and just you know for me it it was as though you had maybe just began teaching (laughs) yeah that kind of enthusiasm And so what 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 keeps like did you feel like giving up at,
2: at any moment and
1: if so what what kept you going in those moments
2: You know, my my giving up moment happened early. I was in my uh, late teens, early 20s, and I thought about killing myself at that time. I was really, really miserable. I'm sure glad that I didn't, Uh, but I did go into all kinds of therapy trying to get help to figure out what was wrong. It did take a long time until interbonding came in, but since then, and that was 35 years ago, um, I I have not had a moment of wanting to give up Uh, I'm so excited about how successful this process is for for people who want to learn it. And Mm. anybody can learn it. Anybody can learn it if they want to. And it doesn't have to Mm. cost a lot of money. On our website, innerbonding.com, we've got a free course people can take and learn it Mm. right there. There's lots of free help. Uh, People don't have to spend a lot of money to learn the process.
1: Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. If there were, like... If you look at your whole life experience, everything you've gone through, successes, failures, up, down, career, relationship as a mother, the whole realm of life, Uh, if there were, let's say, three of the most important life lessons that you would, if you could only pass these three keys on to the next generation, uh, and you've shared a lot, maybe some will overlap, but I'd like to know what would those three keys, the most important multiple life lessons be
2: yeah so, so the first one would be to learn to love yourself on, on, on these multiple levels you know, physically emotionally relationally um, the, yeah. the next one is really about well well, taking responsibility for yourself learning to love yourself but take a hundred percent responsibility For your health, your well-being, your ability to love, your aliveness, your passion, finding what you love to do. One of the things that happens with interbonding is as people get to know who they are, they find their passion, and that's extraordinary. And the third thing Mm. is that we all need to be able to move into our experience of oneness with each other. Because That is what's going to save our planet. It's not about separation. When we connect with ourselves and we connect with our our spirit, inner or outer, whatever that is for somebody, we start to be able to see the souls of each other and to embrace that. And that is what needs to happen here on our planet in order for our planet to heal. People have to get an experience of oneness not just to know it in their mind or to think we're really separate, but they have to get an experience of it. And that is what will heal our planet.
1: I love it. Loving yourself, taking responsibility and moving into oneness and experience right. of oneness with each other. Uh, can right. you assign, uh, could you assign Margaret a, a, a tangible, simple uh, specific homework assignment that, those listening in can do immediately with themselves just to embody and, and maybe make practical and integrate your the session today? What's something that they can do to either love themselves more or ask some questions or just something that is, that is hands-on that they could actually go do right now to integrate this yeah. session? Yes.
2: Yeah. One of the things they can do is start to consciously, mindfully breathe and, and use their breath to take them inside their body, get present in their body, and scan their body for physical sensations because emotions tend to show up physically. And this, this practice of following your breath mindfully and getting present in your body with your feelings is going to help you start to get present uh, with your feelings and the other thing to do is just to start asking throughout the day, what is in my highest good? What is loving to me right now? If people could start to just do those two things, those just those two things are going to be life-changing for them.
1: Mm, I love it. I love, it. I, love, I love that question you asked earlier. What is loving to me right now? Folks, as you go through the next weeks, uh, I want to invite everyone listening in to, to re-listen to this conversation with Margaret Paul. And ask yourself, breathe, and I'll take the time to really breathe, into your body, your feelings, but also, what is loving to me right now? And uh, feel into that, feel into that beautiful, beautiful question. Uh, Margaret, I want to thank you for coming on. I mean, you are, honestly, I mean, from the bottom of my heart, such a light, uh, an inspiration. Um, Just thank you for doing the work you've been doing, you know, you've paved the way for the younger generation like myself to be doing what I'm doing and just know I'm sending you so much love and support and blessings. I would like to know if if folks wanted to get in touch with you or just find out about your work. I I want to invite everyone listening in to find out about your work and get your book in a bondage. Uh, Healing Your Aloneness and all the other books you have. What's the best website or or resource that people can find out about healing your
2: work? Yeah, so so they can go to innerbonding.com. As I said, we have a a really good free course there. We have free help there. There's an awful lot on there. I have a wonderful 30-day home study course called Love Yourself, which really teaches in-depth people how to do it. My more recent book, Mm -hmm. Um, the diet for divine connection beyond junk food and junk thoughts to at will spiritual connection is very, very helpful for people. And my most recent book is the Bonding workbook. And that book is a workbook and it will really teach people in a very in-depth way, um, how to learn to love themselves and how to how to connect with themselves mm-hmm. and, and their and their source of love. So, um, there, there's many ways of, learning interbonding. We have a fabulous online program called SelfQuest if people like to learn on their computer. So there's many ways of learning it. We have many trained facilitators. We have a fabulous facilitator training program for people who are interested in becoming interbonding facilitators.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Again, Margaret, thank you for coming on. Keep doing what you're doing. The world, the world needs your gifts and that we are blessed by your work. And just thank you for just pouring yourself so generously into everyone listening in and the soul talk community. Folks, I want to just invite you definitely please check out Margaret's work. I think you'll be inspired. Uh, your life will definitely be blessed and enriched by her processes and her life's work in a And we'll also folks, we'll also uh, check the show notes. We're also going to post in the show notes all the links so you can connect her to Margaret and her work. And uh, definitely folks, email me, cooplaxon at com. I want to hear about your key takeaways from today's session uh, with the amazing Margaret Paul. Uh, And just let me know uh, your kind of your process from the homework, she said, asking yourself what is most loving to me right now and the breathing exercise. And, uh, I look forward to catching you in the next episode. Again, Margaret, thank you so much, everyone. So
2: I'll catch thank you in you. the next episode you're, of Soul Talk.
1: You're, yes.
2: You're so wonderful. I love you.
1: Love you lots, too. Folks, this has been an amazing episode, as I told you. Please share it with your friends and family. Download this episode. Subscribe to Soul Talk. I will catch you in the next episode of Soul Talk next week. Much love.